0: This week's terrific episode of Election Profit Makers is sponsored by Bloom Farms Wellness. Bloom Farms Wellness makes CBD products to help you relax and improve the quality of your life. Products include balms, tinctures, vapes. Let's talk about tinctures for a moment. They sent me something called the dream tincture. Put two drops under my tongue for a good night's sleep. It works. They also sent me a little vape pen for relaxation. All their stuff is grown and produced in the USA. No solvents, no additives, nice packaging, I must say. They also have, this is very nice, a give back program. For every product sold by Bloom Farms, they donate one healthy meal to a family in need. Since 2015, they have donated three million meals. Get in on the action, improve the quality of your life, do a good thing. Go to this website, bloomfarmswellness.com EPM for 15% off your order. That's Bloomfarmswellness.com/EPM Starting with uh, something a little different this week, listeners. Before we introduce the name of the podcast, we want to introduce some food for thought, something to prey on, something to consider. It's a simple statement that doesn't mean it's not profound. Here it is. 1984 is a great fiction novel to read, but it seems like it is becoming the reality we are currently living under more and more each day. John, why don't you introduce the podcast while everyone picks their jaw off the floor?
1: Hey, everyone. You're listening to Election Profit Makers, your guide to winning and losing money on current events and political outcomes and other things going on in the world. And my name is Long John Silver, coming to you live from Carborough, North Carolina. I got my good friend on the line, David Reese, the original wave rider in Los Angeles, California. Hollywood land, everyone.
0: Greetings, everyone, from Lipstick City, where dreams come true. And the cocaine flows like mountain spring water. Into my nose like lambs to the slaughter with a sniff, sniff, sniff and a snorty, snorty, snort. Don't worry, gang, this song is short, but not quite as short as you were hoping for because when it comes to cocaine, there's always more in Hollywood. What Dolly should do is give me some more of that Molly and cocaine. Hey, everybody, it's me, Kid Midas, the original Wave Rider. Yeah. I'm excited, John, because Mm -hmm. I'm in such a good mood and I'm singing these silly songs because I have some showbiz news. I have been picked to adapt, direct, and star in a major film adaptation of 1984, which is becoming the reality we are currently living in under more and more each day. Co-writing credit with the one and only Madison Cawthorn of Western North Carolina. So what happened was Madison Cawthorn tweeted this incredible tweet about 1984, the, of mm. course, great fiction novel. And Hollywood was abuzz. People were like, did it, Kid Midas, the original screenwriter, submit an adaptation of 1984 years ago that everybody in town passed on because for some reason he said it in 1983. It was just this conceptual thing that people couldn't wrap their heads around. Uh, And it's true, it had languished. Um, Everyone knows about the blacklist, which is Hollywood's unofficial list of the hottest unproduced screenplays. Mine was actually on the brown list. (laughs) No further explanation needed. But when Madison Cawthorn, the youngest member of Congress at 25 years of age, tweeted that thing about 1984, Hollywood was like, oh yeah, that is a hot property, 1984. Madison Cawthorn is young, That's the demographic that we crave in Hollywood, these 20-somethings, right? Yeah. Long story short, Madison and I are um, putting aside our political differences. We are coming together for the good of the entertainment industry and the nation of America. And we are going to write a new version of 1984. Now, I have made one huge concession with this version of 1984. It is no longer set in the year 1983. It's set in the year 1997. Wrap your mind around that. Wow. Late 90s aesthetics on fleek. It's going to be so cool and funky.
1: 90s are hot right now.
0: 90s are very hot right now, and they'll never be hotter than when everyone goes to see in the fall of 2023... 1984 colon 1997 parentheses, a reimagining of the reality we are currently living under more and more each day, close parentheses, <laughs> written, directed, and starring David Reese and Madison Cawthorn. So thank you, that was my big announcement. Yeah, that's exciting stuff. We're gonna shoot it in a parking lot. It's gonna be so fun. We're gonna have the soundtrack done by The Wallflowers. It's gonna be a bumpin' movie, George Orwell. We hope to share your truth because America is falling under the spell of 1984. We're living in hell. Okay, that's all. Uh, Matt Gates got married. That's another big piece of news I wanted to talk about, John. Did you I know didn't that he- know,
1: No, I didn't know that until I saw it in the outline. This is where I get most of my news these days, the,
0: the outline. The Google doc in which I dump a bunch of random factoids. So has 1984, is that, has a movie ever been made about 1984? I think so, yeah. I think there have been multiple movies made about 1984. I don't know, I, I've read it. Do you think it applies more and more to our life each day? I'm not actually sure what Madison Cawthorn was talking about in that yeah. tweet. Was he talking about critical race theory? The thing I I do not understand and love more than any other intellectual framework. Maybe. Or was he talking about mask mandates?
1: I think probably mask mandates, yeah.
0: Groupthink and the woke mob, maybe?
1: That, yeah, that too. Right? Yeah,
0: groupthink. The perversion of language to serve the nefarious ends of the left. Antifa publishing their own dictionary. Did you hear about that? No, no. It's going to be mandatory in all public schools. The Antifa Dictionary of Our New Reality, edited by Doctor Soup for My Family, <laughs> the so-called linguist who is actually an Antifa super soldier, Jean Henri Soup for My Family. Soup for My Family. Yeah. So Matt. Ga- so Matt Gates got married. He and his girlfriend flew to California and got married here this past weekend. Is she from California? I don't know why they got married in California. I have to admit, and I wouldn't say this in public, but I'll say this on this podcast. I know next to nothing about Matt Gaetz's girlfriend other than she is loyal AF.
1: So her name is Ginger
0: Lucky. And she's a lucky lady. (laughs) We're having fun here on Election Profit Makers, y'all. Oh, right. So, Miss Lucky and Mr. Gates married. Let's check in on It and see if that has affected the market. Will Matt Gates be on the Judiciary Committee on September 1st? Oh, uh, there's not much room for movement because yes is trading at 98 cents. And I still hold a single solitary share of yes. I, I learned my lesson. I've been burned many times over by betting against Matt Gates. I'll never bet against him again. He's married now. That's great for his image. Why are you still holding on to that? I just have one share just to just to make a little money. Why don't you sell,
1: cash in, and buy the other
0: side? Ooh, John, I'll sell my yes share at 97 cents. I have no problem doing that since I paid only 67 cents. Right, so you're going to make 30 oh, but cents. now I'm going to be priced. What if I'm out of the market now? Because... That was my one toe in the door share. You know how you always leave an extra share. Uh,
1: no, n- predict it has plenty of room for traders these
0: days. I think. Ouch! Predict it. Nobody hangs out with you anymore. All right, I'm buying 200 shares of no at three cents. That something will happen, and Matt Gates will not sit on the House Judiciary Committee in um. Check the date. Eight days from now. I'm not sure about that. But why not? We're just yeah, having fun. Exactly. Okie dokie, moving on, what else is on the outline, John? Elon Musk. Elon Musk, what's he up to? He introduced a new
1: product (laughs) that is ready for prime time and totally developed and will be on stores soon. And it is a
0: Tesla robot. Elon Musk, the famous entrepreneur and visionary, who insists against all evidence in human logic that a human foot will one day touch the surface of Mars, which is a demonstrably preposterous statement that will never come true. I think it might. I, do, I think it's he, A I think human it might. foot will never fucking touch the surface of Mars. It will never, ever happen. If it okay. happens, I will eat 100 cockroaches with boogers on them. Okay, Elon Musk said he was going to make a robot, and so he brought out this— <laughs> I don't, okay. They went to a Halloween shop and bought a sperm-colored unitard and put a man in it, and then that man came out on stage and danced around, and Elon Musk was like, yep, I'm going to make a robot that does work. It was fun, and uh, I definitely understand why people take that seriously. Yeah, it was pure vaporware. I wish there were robots in 1980. There aren't robots in 1984, but there will be in my movie Television, just TVs. Oh, right, television. Okay. Let's just keep going through these topics, like a listless morning drive time show. Uh, next topic. Well, the FDA just came out and said that, uh, salads are bad for you. <laughs> <laughs> you know they always talk shit yeah. about salads on those morning shows, John.
1: Right. right.
0: Well, uh, did you see this? John, IKEA has introduced a new table. It's called It's called Bob. Yeah, <laughs> nice to meet you, Bob. My name is I'm not putting you together. <laughs> okay keep going this is good i can't tell if i'm in a really good mood or a really bad (laughs) mood you know what i mean (laughs) that's what's making it so electric uh i can't tell i can't tell if i'm happy or sad whoo and then you operate in this liminal space it's incredible this is where you want to be this is the high wire act that only podcasting can provide right Mm -hmm. yeah all right Uh, What else is on the list? Well, (laughs) Gavin Newsom
1: recall. I think we should talk about this. And by we, I mean you, because you're in California and you can actually vote.
0: Do you see and hear, do you see this and hear this, John? I see it. I, I don't hear it. This is my ballot that came in the mail. This allows me to vote in the recall election, which I realized this past week is totally going to happen. I have this, Scary feeling that Gavin Newsom is going to be recalled and Larry Elder, conservative talk show host, is going to be the next governor of California. And, John, I see you shaking your Never, head. And I know, no. we've, I know we've discussed this before, but let me, t- let me give you some facts, okay? okay? Oh, boy. So, I bought 100 shares that Gavin Newsom will be recalled in 2021. Mm-hmm. I I psychologically hedge, John, why don't you remind our listeners what a psychological hedge is?
1: A psychological hedge is when you bet against what you want to happen. So in the event that this horrible thing happens and you are depressed that it happened, you'll at least make some money off of it. It's what I do in the 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 NCAA tournament a lot of times. I'll 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 actually pick Duke to win the national championship. And then in the event that UNC wins, I don't care that I lost money because that's the most awesome
0: thing on earth. But if Duke wins, at least I I made some money. Yeah, that's it. So in this instance, I do not want Gavin Newsom to be recalled. And no, I don't love Gavin Newsom and I don't want to marry him and be the new Kimberly Guilfoyle. Right. I just don't want him to be recalled because the other people are maniacs. So I bought 100 shares that he will be recalled. I paid 28 cents and I'm already up a penny per share. So I'm already clearing a dollar. All right. Now, it was this past week where I feel like this race really got weird. Let's take a look at the old posse of booger eaters over at 538.com. Mm-hmm. led by the kid genius, Nate Silver, who is qualified to tweet about any and all subjects that cross his mind. They have the keep, that is to say, do not recall Gavin Newsom, is polling at 48.8%, but remove Gavin Newsom is only one point behind at 47.6%. John, that is very, very tight. That is very, very close, John. That is a toss-up almost. Right. Now, Larry Elder, conservative talk show host, is because the, the, I think we've talked about this before, and I'm sure all my our all our California listeners also have heard this to death. But let's let it let us remind you what how this recall works. I have this ballot in my hand. I'm going to open it right now. I'm going to walk you through what it's like. So you open the ballot here. It comes in the mail. Everyone gets a ballot in the mail, which I think is good because otherwise the people who are motivated to recall Gavin Newsom. We'd be the only people to go to the polls. Okay, here's my ballot. It's printed on heavy stock paper the way we like it. There's two questions on this official ballot. The first question is, shall Gavin Newsom be recalled, parentheses, removed from the office of governor, yes or no? Now I'm gonna circle that in no right now before I forget because I have so much on my mind with my screenplay I might forget. So. Shall Gavin Newsom be recalled? No. Ooh, it's like taking the SAT, filling it in nice and dark. Scantron, it's coming for you. Now, if I had said yes to that question, the second question is candidates to succeed Gavin Newsom as governor, if he is recalled, vote for one. And then they list 500,000 candidates. How many is it for real? It's like 43, I think. It's between 40 and 45, I believe. Now, wow. if, if 50% of voters plus one voter vote yes, Gavin Newsom shall be recalled. Whichever one of these 40-odd candidates gets the most votes is the new governor of California. And that could be anyone. Yeah, there's no primary process. There's no weeding out at this stage, right? There's 40-some names. So, Larry Elder is leading the pack, he's polling at less than 20%, but that's enough for him to be the new governor of California. That's not super democratic, I am gonna say that. Now, because I voted no on the recall, you see, I've saved myself a little time. I don't have to go through this list of names and say, "Mm, Danielle Mercury, I don't know. David Alexander Bramante, I don't know. David Lozano, I'm not sure. Sam Gallucci, I'm not sure. I don't have to worry about any of these people. I just put this back in its little envelope. Take it to the mailbox later today. I've done. Oh, I get a little sticker here that says "I voted." And then Gavin Newsom, there's
1: no recall, and then he gets to remain governor forever. And then we, and then, we, and then he gets primary
0: next year or whenever the next election exactly, is. Like yeah. everybody, just wait one year. Jesus yeah. Christ, we'll get him for that French laundry. Don't you worry. Don't you yeah. worry, We'll get him for that French laundry faux pas. Okay, so what happens? Uh, here's a question.
1: What happens if he does get recalled and Larry Elder becomes the governor? We gain. can't can't we just
0: recall him? I mean, you can, but still, there's gonna it'll take months to get the signatures and do all the all the logistical stuff. Let me tell you, John, since I'm so plugged into the California scene, this guy, Larry Elder, of course, I'd never heard of this guy until this recall election. Then he started leading. So Larry Elder is a total hardcore conservative Trump guy. He's running on removing all the mask and vaccination mandates. COVID is going to go buck wild in California if this guy becomes governor. He probably will die before he becomes governor, like every other right-wing r- radio <laughs> host has. Right. They'll all get uh, COVID, like what's his name, who died um, earlier this week after railing yeah, against COVID vaccination. has been a, COVID a couple vaccination. that
1: have died now. Yeah. Just
0: sick. Larry Elder uh, wants to abolish the minimum wage. He says the ideal minimum wage is $0, which I guess mathematically is true. Like that is ideal for the minimum to be zero. Hey, hang on one uh, second.
1: I gotta get the dog back in. I'm sorry.
0: He's barking. Oh my God. Okay, I'm sorry. All right little behind the scenes action here. You would think we record in the highest tech studios, but actually we just record in our homes. It's pretty crazy. You might be surprised how many podcasters are actually recording in kitchens, living rooms, bedrooms, and dens. The answer might surprise you, let alone uh, their wardrobe when they're on the microphone. A lot of these podcasters don't exactly dress up when they're on the mic. Speaking for myself, I would much rather be comfortable than attractive. So today, you'll find me in elastic waistband basketball shorts bought at Goodwill for my new post-quarantine body. Uh, I'm pairing that with a free t-shirt that I got when I went on a podcast called Dork Forest to talk about guitar effects pedals. Uh, Feet, uh, if you're looking for shoes and socks, you can keep looking because Kid Midas is barefoot today and loving it. Good gracious! Oh my God, John, where are you? Where is this hey, damn dog? Hey, I'm, I'm back. Um, I guess what I would say is, and I know it doesn't need saying, but if you're if you're someone like me, you lean to the left, and you're not a huge Gavin Newsom fan for any number of reasons. You still, please, just vote for to to tell this recall election to go fuck a nut and and and. Tell, tell the ballot. Tell, let me put it to you like this. Tell your ballot not to recall Gavin Newsom. Does that make sense? Does that, does that tip off the tongue, John? Does that trip off the tongue? Yeah. Does yeah. that trip off the tongue, John? Oh, my God. I think there's not enough oxygen in this room, actually. John, should we talk about J.D. Vance or should we talk about Josh Mandel?
2: Mm.
0: We can talk about both because they're running against each other. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about them both. What do you want to say about Josh Mandel, the man that you love?
1: Uh, Josh Mandel had a great week.
0: Walk me through it.
1: Went to a uh, a restaurant in uh, in Ohio, was doing some retail politicking, and took a picture with um, an employee there, and he has his arm around her, and he said, I'm here with... Susan or whoever it is, and she is an awesome employee. She came into work today, even though she's sick, that's how dedicated she is. We need more people like this in the
0: restaurant industry. I love to have a sick waitress announcing she's sick as she serves me food Mm -hmm. that goes into my body during a pandemic. I wanna be served by the sickest waitress in this restaurant. I demand it, I demand sickness. Yeah.
1: So within uh yeah, an hour or so that restaurant's Twitter account had been nuked and uh, who knows what happened to them. They got canceled, I guess. But I think that probably helps him. I don't think that hurts him in it any does. way. Yeah. Yeah.
2: He's so, loving it.
1: I don't know why JD Vance is is up on predicted after that
0: stellar showing by Mandel. Because, number one, as per my theory about last week, now that J.D. Vance has earned the blessing of conservativeintel.com, I've gotten 10 emails from J.D. Vance since last week's episode. Ten. I counted them up. Conservativeintel.com has turned on the fire hose. I get emails about how AOC is a mediocre fraud who's a communist— I get emails about how Biden has betrayed the people of Afghanistan, but also we can't let in any Afghan refugees to America. That's a little mm-hmm. bit of a tricky, that's a little tricky, but I think he can thread that needle. And then the most amazing emails I get from J.D. Vance are all about, <laughs> the. Um, you know what, I'm, let me read you this one. All do right. you know about J.D. Vance's new obsession about people who have children versus people who do not have children? I've heard about it. Subject. Childless people don't have a stake here. Here's the body of the email that I received from J.D. Vance. Friend, did you see me on Fox Primetime recently? I was like, no, I did not. But anyway, (laughs) after after I zinged J.D. Vance's balls off, he continued with his email. I needed to speak directly to patriots like you about the serious issue of radical childless leaders in this country. Radical childless leaders. We can't have people who don't have a direct stake in this country making our most important decisions, friend. We've allowed ourselves to be dominated by childless sociopaths. I'm gonna read that again. We've allowed ourselves to be dominated by childless sociopaths. They're invested in nothing because they're not invested in this country's children. Fighting back won't be easy. Our childless opponents have a lot of free time. Oh, <laughs> that's some galaxy brain shit. That's exactly right, J.D. Vance. Uh, Speaking as a childless sociopath. Yeah. Because I don't have children, I have so much free time to fuck with people like J.D. Vance. Uh, childless, our childless opponents have a lot of free time. That's why I need you to stand with me. Please chip in any amount in the next hour to stand with me as I fight for America's children. I think this childless sociopath stuff is is the reason that J.D. Vance is closing in. This is why I bet in J.D. Vance. You know I have ants in my pants for J.D. Vance. Make me do a hillbilly dance. Mandel's got it. Radical elites, he's coming at ya. The hedge fund hick from Appalachia.
1: J.D. Vance doesn't have the charisma.
0: He's J.D. Vance, he's got a chance. Everybody do the hillbilly dance. Peter Thiel is making it rain. J.D. Vance on the conservative Intel.com train. Choo, choo, it's a tweetsy Railroad. J.D. Vance is, J.D. Vance is, um, wait, choo, choo, it's a tweetsy Railroad. J.D. Vance is uh, a male chode. Is chode, damn it, fuck it, all to hell, never mind. I don't have time to work on a J.D. Vance musical. I got to write a 1984 movie with Madison Cawthorn. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so Josh Mandel's week was defined by outing a sick waitress and then getting hell for it on Twitter, which is base loves, because they hate it when people get canceled. And J.D. Vance's week was defined by opening a new battleground, which is the war on childless sociopaths who actually don't care about America because they don't have children. It just makes sense, man. It just makes sense. J.D. Vance also said that um, parents should get extra votes in an election that they can cast on behalf of their children. Now that's a very interesting idea. Do you like that idea, John? You would get, you have a child, you would get an extra vote. Although how, how, how would it work for step I kind of do like that idea. I have an idea. Why don't you just give the kids the vote? Cut to the chase. Why do the parents have to be the proxies for the kids? If the parents get an extra vote on behalf of their children, just fucking give the vote to the kids. Oh, why don't you want to do that, J.D. Vance? Hmm, very interesting. I think I've caught you, J.D. Vance. I think your little beard has little dew drops of sweat on it. You're sweating now, J.D. Vance, because Kid Midas has you cornered in a logical fallacy of the highest caliber. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Yep. Uh, sorry. Take it away, John. I no, just hit a wall. Just, uh, just, I can't think of J.D. Vance's beard having sweat on it. Yeah. Just, that's that's, it. I'm done. That is a nice Bye-bye. visual. Go home to mommy. Yeah. I want to make a little uh, second announcement here. Not quite as momentous as my screenplay announcement, but I do want to tease something that we're going to put at the end of the episode as a little reward for people who make it all the way through the credits. I'm going to post the audio— of an amazing GeoGuessr speedrun that Long John Silver had earlier this week. Now, we've posted it to Patreon. If you wanna see the video of this, of this GeoGuessr speedrun where he guesses five city locations without moving, you can go to patreon.com slash electionprofitmakers, where, of course, you'll also get access to our bonus episodes. And an upcoming Amazing Movie Club episode where we review the new movie, Whirly Bird, which is basically a documentary about helicopter Tony himself. I could not yes. believe this movie exists. We can't wait to watch it. Anyway, what I'm going to do at the end of this episode, after the credits, is post the audio only to John's GeoGuessr speed run because it's quite illuminating and it might give you no small measure of pleasure. <laughs> Let's move on to listener questions. All
1: right. Uh, The first listener question is from Kayla. High election profiteers. After listening to your discussion of Bristol, Virginia, and Tennessee, I realized I knew of another contender that might give those towns a run for their money. My father was born in Texarkana, which straddles the Texas-Arkansas border. Not a very creative name, although I like to think of it as the Brangelina of American places. I like that. Uh, Much like... Bristol, Texarkana, seems to share a downtown area split along a north state-line avenue. My unscientific method of asking Google for directions between Texarkana, Texas, and Texarkana, Arkansas, seems to imply that they are 1.5 miles apart, but I'm not sure that that's really the best methodology. If the commercial district is literally split down the middle, it's not their fault that they literally encompass more square mileage. For consideration, I've attached a map from the joint Texarkana Main Street Association that highlights their shared nightlife district in the center of downtown. What do you all think? In my mind, this is at least a draw with Bristol, but I leave the final decision in your capable hands. I have no opinion. All right. It's a good entry. Uh, Several other people wrote in about it as well. You can't... You can't... uh, find the center of a city by the actual center of the municipal boundaries. So, the city is not Um, hurt. Why not? Uh, Because the center of the city would be moving all the time as the city was annexing itself. You know, if the city were growing
0: to the north, more oh, than the, the center, center the, would grow to the would move slightly to the north,
1: and then you'd have to change the highway signs. Now Atlanta's not ten Ooh. miles away; it's nine miles away. So the center must remain constant.
0: Generally, the it is somewhere The center cannot hold. There. Things fall apart. The falcon cannot hear the falconer. You know what I'm talking about? Famous no. poem, W. B. Yeats. And what rough beast its hour come around at last slouches towards Bethlehem to be born? I'll tell you who, the devil. Hail Satan. Uh,
1: So I would say that, uh, yeah, Google saying that it's 1.5 miles away from their their two centers is fair. Uh, That is not as close as Bristol, which I believe we said was three feet or something. I don't remember. No, nothing is as close as Bristol. I did find, I I actually tried to find something that was as close this week in Geogesser. They dropped me in a place in Newport, Washington, and the town actually straddles a state line between Washington State and Idaho. But in 1947, the Newport, Idaho changed its name to Old Town, Idaho. So they're technically not the same town anymore. That's the closest I could find. There may be others out there.
0: Okay, next question. Keep it coming, John. I love this. I hit a wall. I'm done. Yeah, man. JD Vance's Uh, beard sweat just knocked me the f out. I left it all on the field.
1: Okay, Dan writes in about something called hematocrit. I'm not sure if that's how how I bet it's hematocrit.
0: Don't you think Hematocrit. hematocrit?
1: I don't don't know. know. Hematocrit is the volume percentage of red blood cells in the blood. It can be measured with a blood test. It can take up to a month for someone's blood chemistry to become accustomed to living at a new higher elevation. The blood chemistry of the people who live in Denver acclimatized to that elevation. Thus, a taller building wouldn't affect them as much as someone coming from sea level. Thus, the height of the buildings in Denver isn't limited by the base elevation of the city per se. So this question is in response to our earlier discussion and my epiphany of the reason why the city of Denver doesn't have taller buildings. My hypothesis was that once you are above 6000 feet above sea level that's when you start to feel altitude discomfort. That that is not a hypothesis that is true. But Denver the mile high city is around 5,280 feet above sea level. The tallest building is 714 feet, which is just under that 6,000-foot threshold. So I hypothesize that Denver would never have a, a building taller than 6,000 feet above sea level, and that's the reason why they don't at this point, considering how large of a city it is. Its buildings aren't particularly tall. This guy is saying that, no, the the, the uh, citizens of Denver would acclimate. but See, I don't think that's when you when you build a building, and it's, it's particularly not. It's it's like a corporate office tower. People come in from out of town, and they haven't acclimated or acclimatized. Wow, you are really not
0: letting you are really not letting this go. No, but they that you wouldn't.
1: So you come into oh, town. Oh my gosh, listener Dan is going crazy right now. So the 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 people of Denver might be but if it's a hotel or even if it's an apartment complex and you have friends come from out of town but particularly you have people coming in for business flying in for the day and then they go up 1000 feet and they're 300 feet above the discomfort zone I'm telling you Denver is never going to have a building <laughs> <laughs> that is above 6000 feet now there That's are cities right. there are cities that have buildings that are above 6,000 feet. But these are cities that are already in that zone. So you're
0: already in the discomfort zone on the ground. All right? So for you, the for you, the disqualifying thing is the city is right below the discomfort zone and being in the building would take you into the discomfort zone. Right. Is that right?
1: Exactly. Why would you want to do that? Why would you want to invite that? You wouldn't.
0: <sighs> John. When you announced your theory about why Denver didn't have any tall skyscrapers, I was absolutely smitten. I thought it was a wonderful theory. And there are some theories that are so poetic and ingenious that you don't really care if they're true or false. And I think your theory must now, in my mind— find pride of place alongside my favorite theory of all time, which is not true, which is outlined by Julian Jaynes in his masterpiece, The Origins of Consciousness and the Breakdown of the Bicameral Mind, which I think Mm -hmm. we've discussed on this podcast before. Maybe. His his theory is that pre-modern humans did not recognize their thoughts as coming from within their own heads and so assigned them to gods. And that's where religion comes from because old-timey people in ancient Greece and Rome were too dumb to realize they could think. It's a, it's a theory of metaconsciousness that explains all of world history. It has also been thoroughly debunked, but Kid Midas doesn't care. He owns multiple copies of the hardcover edition of that spectacular book, which also has the most hardcore book cover of all time. John, when you publish your theory about Denver's lack of skyscrapers in a hardcover edition, would you do me a favor and sign a copy to your old friend, Kid Midas, so that he can place it right alongside Julian Jane's masterwork? Sure. All right. Done.
1: Listener Bill writes in Hi, EPM, longtime listener, first time emailer. This is a message for John Kimball about the streets of Carborough, North Carolina, a fine town. I wanted to call your attention to the work of Jeff Boeing, who has created amazing data maps of how closely city streets are oriented according to cardinal directions.
0: Let's give everyone a bit of context. Last week, John admitted for the first time that he actually doesn't listen to me on this podcast so that he can quote unquote save energy. Mm -hmm. And when I asked him what he was saving his energy for, he was like, oh, there's something I really want to talk about. All the streets in Carborough. Uh, they run from southeast to northeast or some fucking diagonal. Bl- I didn't understand what he was talking about. But anyway, that's what this guy, Bill, is writing in about, the direction of streets. Okay, carry on, John.
1: Right. So he he writes in, this guy has done a study of, street, of uh, cities all across the US and all across the world. Uh, the charts are fun to look at. For example, um, My hometown, he writes of uh, Minneapolis, reveals the oldest streets are aligned oriented toward the Mississippi River on a roughly northeast-southwest grid, while the newer streets are aligned cardinally on the north-south-east-west. You compare a great many city street orientations at a glance, though, unfortunately, Carborough is not one of them. And then he links to the data I have heard of Jeff Boeing and, uh, I'm familiar with with his work. I, I find it fascinating. Uh, his city street orientations, uh, he has done the, done the study of a hundred cities all across the globe. And Chicago has the most perfect grid lined is cardinally. It is the most, um, ordered grid as he puts it. And the, uh, Chicago, Miami, and Indianapolis are the most ordered grids in the entire world. The three most disordered grids in the entire world are Rome, Italy, Sao Paulo, Brazil, and Charlotte, North Carolina is the most disordered grid on the planet. What? According to this, guys.
0: Uh, How how excited are you? That's wonderful news for you. Is that true? I love it. I love it. It Charlotte, is true. Charlotte is more disordered than fucking Venice, where the roads are rivers.
1: Yeah, it is. It's more dis and, and Charlotte, it comes in just ahead of Boston in the US. Boston and oh, Charlotte are the two Charlotte, most disordered. You
0: did it, baby. You did it. How did they how did they do it? How did those damn kids pull it off? Charlotte's not a super old city.
1: No. So here, here's how here's how they did it. Charlotte has a lot of farm-to-market roads that were sort of developed before the city and the city sort of grew up into these other grids. But the way his data works, he studies these cities within their municipal boundaries. So Charlotte is a city in North Carolina that has very liberal annexation laws. So Charlotte is able to annex tons and tons of suburban neighborhoods, which are Laid out in cul-de-sacs and all sorts of crazy oh, directions. Oh, that doesn't.
0: Oh, that doesn't count. Okay, so, forget it. I that doesn't count. Charlotte, you're disqualified. I'm, you're not authentically disordered.
1: It it I'm Charlotte sorry. is. It is authentically disordered. But there are other U.S. cities, for example, like Raleigh or Atlanta. A lot of southern cities that are in Piedmont areas that are disordered in that same type of vein, but Georgia does not have liberal annexation laws, so the city of Atlanta is mainly around the downtown, which has a pretty ordered grid. If you were able to look at the entire metro, I think Atlanta would be pretty disordered as well. So I'll just point that out. But Charlotte is a total mess, yes.
0: Do you think there will ever be streets on Mars?
1: Yes, I'd I'd venture to say that there are already streets on Mars. Oh. All streets, even the streets in in the United States, all streets began as like Native uh, American trails. And even before then, they were probably animal paths that ran, ran along ridgelines and things like that. So streets and paths and things of that nature, you don't necessarily need humans to be there. So those little robots that are running around they're creating a Yeah, little them path. little robots
0: running around up there on Mars. Yeah, I've yeah. seen them a time or two, them yeah. little fellas. So yeah. I
1: think like Pathfinder and, you know, whatever the other ones are. Pathfinder, that was 1997, I think. That'll go on my
0: screenplay. Yeah. Good. Pathfinder. Johnny Pathfinder reporting for duty, Mr. Big Brother. Good job, Mr. Pathfinder. Your first mission is to make everyone think things that are good are bad and vice versa. Aye, aye, sir. Pathfinder, that's a great character, just came to me like that. Yeah. Anyway, you're saying that these little tin cans that are driving around on Mars, Explorer, Endeavor. So they're creating roads. Those count as roads? Mm-hmm. And those trails will eventually be formalized by all the humans that are obviously going to live on Mars and definitely set foot on Mars, mm-hmm. and they'll eventually be paved, and there'll be broad thoroughfares for commerce and and recreation among mm-hmm. the citizens of Mars.
1: Cloverleaf, planet. And-
0: That will definitely one day have humans living on it. Tammy, shall we go to the Cheesecake Factory down the block here on Mars where we live? Yeah, that's ever going to happen. Everyone stop smoking drugs.
1: Monica writes in, hi, guys. So my thought on bridges is that they wouldn't in any way be considered phallic or masculine in general. Bridges are passive, they're diplomatic, so they are inherently feminine as per gender norms. Not to quote myself, but also to quote myself, I made a similar statement with regard to energy. Coal energy being active is appealing to men, while green energies are largely passive, so unappealing to that machismo. I probably wanted to say that fossil fuel energies are more accurately violent, but I'd be uh, reluctant to say that in a public forum. I think you guys were kind of saying a similar thing about why these billionaire dudes want to explore space instead of taking care of their fellow humans. Dudes want to crush stuff so they feel like real dudes. It's base. I could go on, but this was supposed to be about bridges. Thanks for your comment, Monica.
0: Yeah, that was great. Monica is referring to a conversation we had on this very same podcast a while ago about the, the phallic nature of skyscrapers, and we were trying to come up with the feminine equivalent, the feminine infrastructure. Bridges, obviously, are a great example. We were wondering if dams were an example, I think was another one. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, bridges are diplomatic. They, uh, and I guess that's stereotypically the role of the woman, right? To be the peacemaker, mm-hmm. to make, make sure everyone's getting along. Mommy is making sure everyone's getting along, Right. Is that, mm-hmm. something, is, that, is that something Freud would say? Freud? Uh, Sigmund Freud, the famous yeah. um, psychologist. The feminine, everybody, or is that Jung? I don't understand. No, Freud did not guys. say that. Lacan, the woman's job is to make sure everyone gets along. She serves as a bridge among feuding members of the family, all of whom want to have sex with her. That sounds like something Freud would say. Yeah, right? that does. Yes, yes. Right. Uh, thank you, Monica. I agree totally about coal and tough guy extractive energies. We're gonna punch a hole in this fucking mountain and take all, the, uh, take all the valuable rocks out of it. And then we're gonna put them into a big oven and make a big black cloud. It feels very machismo, right? Whereas solar power is like, yes, we're going to put a shiny mirror on a roof and let the sun <coughs> do all the work. <laughs> so French, you know, it's so <laughs> loose so passive. No wonder all the Republicans hate solar power, even though I should emphasize it employs more people than the coal industry at this point.
1: And it is taking over in a lot of southern states, places like
0: North Carolina and Georgia. Let's go, North Carolina. Let's go, Georgia. Let's get those French shiny plates on the roof. No more punching mountains. Sorry, y'all. John, before we leave our listeners this week, tell me how you're feeling honestly about some of the subjects we discussed. You still think Gavin Newsom will not be recalled? If you were in that market, what would you pay for a yes share? Uh,
1: i I definitely pay- uh, You gonna psychological hedge with me? No, he's not going to be, I don't want a psychological hedge. I don't want a psychological hedge. I'm I'm gonna buy no. He's not going to be recalled. And I'd be willing to pay up to, 75 cents.
0: Well, you better get in because it's definitely less than 75. Okay, I'm getting in. Moving on to our next market. Earlier this episode, we talked with delight about J.D. Vance and Josh Mandel. On Predict it right now, J.D. Vance is closer to Josh than he's ever been, just five cents behind. Josh Mandel to win the 2022 Ohio Republican Senate primary at 37 cents. J.D. Vance nipping at his heels at 32 cents. As everyone knows, as one of J.D. Vance's biggest supporters, who he constantly emails all the time about how I'm a childless sociopath, but that kind of weirdly turns me on because I'm a glutton for punishment. I have 50 shares, yes. I paid 29. I'm up three cents per share. John, will you join me on the J.D. Vance choo-choo Tweetsie Railroad Mm. train? No, no. I'm all in on Josh Mandel. Okay, fine. We'll see We'll see how that ends. Uh, J.D. Vance, Josh Mandel, we will see both of you in hell.
1: Election Profit Makers is a Radio Point production <laughs> with executive producers Alex Bach, Rich Corson, and Daniel Powell. With help from Houston Snyder and Kat Iosa, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash electionprofitmakers. Send your election prediction questions to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. If you want to try PredictIt, go to uh, predictit.org/promo/epm20 to receive up to twenty dollars in matching funds and join us in the wave riding. Uh, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify or Overcast, and subscribe to the show so you can get the show as quickly as possible. And yeah, we appreciate all the reviews. I I go there every once in a while and read them, and they're very funny, and thank you. I think that does make a big difference.
0: How was that? That was great. Uh, All right. Enjoy the special post-credit bonus content. We'll talk to you next week. Goodbye, everybody. My name's David. Goodbye, John. Bye. Okay, we're going to do a quick round of GeoGuessr. I've had
2: a margarita. It's Friday evening. Let's see how we can do. You know what? Let's play U.S. Cities Edition and see how we can do. Uh, We'll set uh, no moving, one minute per round. Here we go. Hmm. Thirteenth and Pearl. Look at that. That is the symbol for the city of Denver. The question is, can I find Thirteenth and Pearl in forty seconds? Oh, there's tenth. There's thirteenth. Pearl is one of these going north-south. Are we going to be able to find it? Will we be able to find it? There's Logan. I feel like it's nearby, one of these, but I'm, I'm, oh, this is annoying. Look, it's not showing me what the, what the cross streets. Oh, there's Pearl right there, 13th and Pearl. Uh, yeah. Let's see if I, got it within 14 yards. Perfect score. We'll screw that up. Okay, where are we here? Some city with mountains. Interstate 15. <inter <Hobbit> uh, okay. Um, Interstate 15. which way were we looking? We have 34 seconds. We are looking east. So we are to the west of downtown Salt Lake City uh, looking for a way to get on to Interstate 15. Uh, Boy, I don't know. I don't know. Probably up here, maybe University Boulevard. We have nine seconds. Can I see a street name? I can't really. Um, we're just going to have to go right here. All right. Not bad. Moving on to the next round. Ooh. Detour ahead for Interstate 4. Okay. We are in Florida. The road is going east-west. That is probably Interstate 4 right there. I don't know if there's any other clues. Let's see, if I had a bigger monitor, maybe I could read that street sign. What does that say? 407, that's the Orlando area code. Okay, I-4 runs between Orlando and Tampa. So we're probably in the Orlando area. We've got 16 seconds. The road is running east-west, I have no idea what that road is. Uh, Maybe here. Oh my goodness. Wow. That was uh, pure luck. I just guessed there, because it looked like it was a way that you could get on I-4. Okay. I mean, I was going to get a good score, but I never in a million years did I think I would be that close. Uh, all right, on to the next round. that that looks sort of like a, a French quarter New Orleans type railing but I don't know I don't know okay i got to do something crazy and just guess New Orleans uh, da, 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 da. I don't know We'll just sort of say in here, here we go. Oh my God. Again, that was a pure guess. I was like, it's either New Orleans or maybe LA. It looked really sunny. It almost looked too sunny to be New Orleans. Okay, we are having the run of a lifetime right here. Fifth and final one. Man, I have no idea where this is. Stout Street. Pizza Republica. Champa. Is that Denver? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Denver. Denver. Okay, that's what I thought. okay, so was just in Denver. Here we go. I don't know if I'm gonna find it in the next twenty seconds if I can find Champa Street, but yeah, no, it's definitely downtown. There's tall buildings everywhere. uh, okay, there's Champa. um I've got five seconds. I wish I could see it's 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 by some sort of big uh. I missed it by eleven hundred yards. Okay, game finished. Total got a total of twenty four thousand
1: nine hundred and seventy eight oh points. My God, so
2: close. That's Did it crazy. in two point one miles. That's so weird. You got two Denvers. I know. I got kind of lucky. One game. I know. And then we were just there. I know. So see. You got to be good, but you got to be lucky. And I was, I was very lucky on that Orlando. I was lucky on New Orleans. I was lucky to get two Denvers, and uh, I guess I did, did Salt Lake City on my own. So there you go. That. Was-